Well, hey, there's one other thing that I meant to tell you earlier, but I forgot. Imagine that. Uh, December the 22nd, this coming Friday, we have a short week this week, okay? Quick turnaround. So our Christmas services are going to be this coming Friday night, December the 22nd, 5.45 and 7.30 p.m., okay? We have no service on Sunday, December the 24th. We give our uh, volunteers a break, and it gives every time, uh, everybody time to go to their families, all that kind of stuff and everything. So we normally do our Christmas service on Christmas Eve, but in this case, Christmas Eve, Eve, Eve. So uh, it's going to be a good time, candlelight, uh, communion, uh, the kids are singing. Uh, it's going to be a great time. So invite somebody, bring somebody with you, um, and looking forward to those opportunities that we have to come together and uh, celebrate um, uh, this Christmas season, all right? Hey, listen, I am so grateful and so thankful that I get to do life with you guys. I get to do church with you guys. I'm so grateful for this community of believers. I'm thankful for our diversity, thankful for our different giftedness. I'm thankful for your heart to serve this community. Like, I am just blown away by your heart and genuineness that you have truly to make a difference. You guys have been so generous and uh, with not only your uh, time, but your resources. Um, it's just absolutely blown me away. Uh, and I'm so grateful and so thankful. One of the things that our church has been a part of for the last several months is called Loads of Love. And if you don't know what Loads of Love is, um, it's where we have an opportunity to love on our community. Uh, we gather detergent and fabric softener, uh, give them uh, coins to wash uh, people's laundry, and we go uh, serve people at Bob's Laundry Mat, which is in Grove Center right across the street from where the high school team practices. Bob's been great and wonderful. Uh, he has uh, welcomed us in there. He also serves pizza on those nights. Uh, free for people, uh, and it's just a great opportunity to where that we can serve um, in that capacity. We also sometimes help fold clothes, talk to people, pray with people, uh, play games, board games with the kids, and it's just a great way to where that we can minister to the community. And so I say all of that to say that the other day, uh, Kate uh, Karekas and I had an opportunity to go meet at uh, the Willowbrook School drop-off for the Angel Tree. And by the way, you guys absolutely did a phenomenal job with that. We had 80 kids. Every tag was taking, uh, taken, and uh, every gift was purchased. We didn't have to buy any after that, and so we delivered them uh, on Monday. And we were able to talk to Miss Joe Bruce, who Joe oversees, uh, I think, basically like the needs. If there's a need within the school that the kids have, she kind of oversees that and everything. And so she came up to us thanking us and wanted you guys to know uh, she shared this story with us that uh, how loads of love has made an impact. And she shared with us about a family uh, who normally doesn't have clean clothes. Um, and what the, the child of this family had never had their bed sheets washed before. Uh, but because of loads of love, they were able to have clean clothes, but also clean bed sheets. And of course, she was moved and, and uh, had tears as she was telling me. I had to walk away because I was about to, uh, you know, have some stuff fall out of my face, like it's not, you know, so anyway, but been thinking about that and praying about that all week, and just two things, number one, it breaks my heart, but the other thing is I am so grateful and thankful to be a part of a church who has a heart 
and a passion to serve its community and to truly make a difference. And a lot of times those things go unseen and heard, and we don't do that so that people know about Milestone Church. We do that so that people know about Jesus, the King of kings and Lord of lords, because he is the one who brings hope. And so I just think that is amazing, awesome. So I, I say all that to say, like if you want to serve and be a part of Loads of Love, there's an opportunity to do it this Tuesday night. Um, they're going to be there from 5 to 7 at Bob's Laundromat. And you are welcome to plug in to help. Um, again, it's just a great opportunity time. You can go to the Church Center app. If you haven't downloaded, go to the App Store, type in Church Center, and then once you do that, it's pretty easy. It'll pull up Milestone uh, Church, and you want to find the Oak Ridge address, click that, and then you'll be on your way. But there you can find all the events, registrations for those things to get connected, to be a part. Church calendars on there. So it's a great tool, resource, and uh, so be sure that you do that. But before we dive into God's Word this morning, I just want to take a moment, and I just want to pray for our community. I want to pray for our community, for the people that are hurting, for the people that are in need. I want to pray that God would give us favor. I want to pray that God would continue to open doors uh, to where that we have opportunities to minister to people. I pray that God would open doors to where that we have opportunities to share the gospel with people, to point people to Jesus. And so would you guys just join me in doing that? If you're watching online today, would you just stop whatever you're doing and join us in prayer today and pray for God to specifically do that. Let's do that right now. Heavenly Father God, I come to you, and Lord, we just thank you for open doors. We thank you for the doors that you've opened uh, just within Willowbrook School and allow us to minister in some capacities in other schools within this area. And God, I just pray today for each and every one of the teachers and faculty and administration. I pray, God, today uh, that they would know and just uh, experience that you are with them every step of the way. And Lord, that what they do matters and it's really, truly making a difference. We pray for every family, every child. Lord, we know uh, for a fact this morning, Lord, there are some kids who are doing without. There are some families who are doing without today. And so God, I just pray for your provision, Lord. And I pray that as opportunities arise and, and needs are known, Lord, that we as a church would continue to be ready to help. And again, Lord, it's more important than just about uh, uh, helping with a bill or providing uh, some food or even washing some clothes. But Lord, our ultimate heart and our ultimate goal is to point people towards you. And so God, give us favor in this community, Lord. Give us favor with the people. And Lord, would you just continue to do what only you can do today? And would you just continue to move in our hearts, Lord? Help us to be sensitive. Help us to be open. Help us to see what you see around us. And uh, Lord, to use whatever we have for your kingdom, your glory. We love you. We praise you. And we ask it in Jesus' name. And everybody said this morning, amen, amen. Let's go to the book of Isaiah chapter 9. We've been in a series uh, the last several weeks that we've called the Christmas List. And we've been talking about how at this time of year, numerous people put together a list of things that they perceive that they need, desire, want, or somehow feel that they're going to make their life better. And so we have this envision of what these things are going to be, what they're going to look like on Christmas morning. If I could just have that, if I could just get this. But we put these Christmas lists together. And listen, I'm not immune to that. I remember the year was 1979. Now, I know some students and young people thought, 
man, 79, are you serious? Like, yeah, for real, 79. Because 79, like at my age, like I think about the 1950s, like it's what I heard about growing up in the 50s and the 60s, and that was like a land far away, a galaxy far away, and a long time ago. Now, my kids, when I say like 1970, you're like, holy cow, are you serious? And then you think about it, it's like, dude, that's like 40 years ago, you know, so it's like a long time. Time happens very, very fast, so it travels fast. But anyway, 1979, and I uh, used to love to put together a Christmas list. Now, one of the things that I look forward to, I don't know about you guys, some of you may remember this, some of you may not, but one of the things that I look forward to getting in the mail was the JCPenney catalog. Does anybody remember that? Can I get an amen? And man, I used to look forward to that. We got that, and it was the internet before the internet. You know what I mean? So like we would open up through that, open up the catalog and my brother and I, we would sit there and we'd have markers and pens and we would, you know, circle things and we would initial things and you, know, you had to initial it because you wanted your mom and dad to know exactly, you know, what you wanted and, and all those things. And so we'd go through that. And I remember one year as we were looking, scanning through this catalog, trying to find like the perfect Christmas gift, the one, right? The one that was going to make all the difference in the world, was going to make my life perfect, complete. Like I knew JCPenney had something in there for me to find so that we could buy so that I could open it up on Christmas morning and that all would be well in my life. And sure enough, as I'm thumbing through this catalog, it appears right before my very eyes. Now, it's like this big bright light that just shines, all right? It didn't have any illumination whatsoever, but in my mind, it was glowing for everyone to see, and it was this thing called electric football. Now, some of you may know what I'm talking about here. Now, you know that, a lot of you know that I'm a Cowboys fan. And, thank you, who said that back there? Who wrote, all right, me and Angel. And a lot of people give me a hard time about that, and I just want you to know I'm praying for y'all to get right with the Lord, okay? I really am, all right? And I'm going to say what every other Cowboys fan says, this is our year, all right? And then probably at the end of this one, I'll say wait till next year. But anyway, it's all good right now. But I'm a Cowboys fan, grew up watching the Cowboys. And this particular picture of this electronic football game, it was the Cowboys-Steelers edition, right? It was, it was the, the clash of two titans. Those were the two teams at the time. And, and I remember I was a Cowboys fan, and my brother, he always had to be the opposite. He was a Steelers fan. And so he and I never got along, and we still don't get along to this day. But anyway, no, I'm just kidding. Love my brother. But he, he loved the Steelers and I loved the Cowboys. And I thought, man, if we could just get this game, man, it's going to be awesome. And the marketing team did such a great job of depicting how this game could be life-changing for you. And like it showed pictures and it kind of gave this glimpse of like the ball flying through the air and the receiver catching it and, you know, just going towards the goal line and how you could set all this up and everything. And I just knew in my mind that Roger Staubach was going to throw Drew Pearson a slant and he was going to take it to the house. I could envision it. I could see it. It was going to be absolutely wonderful. But I don't know if you guys know anything about electronic football, but in case you didn't, I got a video to kind of give you a glimpse of what it was like. Right? That was it. 
Right? All that hype, you know, all that marketing and everything, all that thought of what it was going to be like and how it was going to look and how it was going to be played out. Like, you spent all that time setting up all these little men and you put the football in somebody's hand and then you turned it on and everybody danced around in a circle right there. And you, I thought, like, this was it? Like, this is what I spent my one gift on? I wanted to write J.C. Penney a letter, right? <laughs> Forget about Santa, you know, I wanted to write J.C. Penney a letter and let them know what I thought about their catalogs, but I did not. But what I had thought that that game was going to do turned out not being, not doing what I anticipated. And I couldn't help but think as I was thinking about that the other day of like how true that may be about a lot of people when they think about the Lord, when they think about Jesus. Because I know like a lot of things that we hear along the way, and I've heard these things said, like, if you give your life to Jesus, you're going to have such incredible purpose. And that's true. You're, you're going to experience incredible joy, and you can and will experience joy from the Lord. But it's almost portrayed as like sometimes that you're never going to have any difficulty. You're not going to suffer. You're not going to experience heartache. You're not going to experience betrayal. That your life from that point on, when you give your life to Jesus, is going to be perfect. And here's what you find out really, really quick. When you give your life to Jesus, it doesn't make you immune from all the difficulties of life. Can I get an amen? Matter of fact, Jesus said, in this life, you're going to have what? But that's something we have to consistently and constantly reconcile in our mind. But it doesn't change the fact, no matter your circumstance, no matter your situation, it doesn't change the fact that God is still God and he is still good. And it doesn't change the fact that he truly is a mighty God. And that's the name that we're going to look at this morning. We've been looking at Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. It's a very familiar passage of Scripture to a lot of people. It's something that we read because it's a prophecy about the reason we celebrate this time of year, about Jesus being born and coming into this world. And so as we look at this particular passage of Scripture today, I pray that God would speak to us in a very real and personal way. And listen to what the prophecy is about, because again, be reminded of what was happening, about what was taking place at this period of time. The people of God, the people of Israel were suffering. They were going through a very difficult time, a very difficult season. They were under um, oppression. They, there was political unrest. Everything that could go wrong was going wrong, and they were crying out to God. They desperately needed a move of a mighty God. They desperately needed a word. They des desperately needed hope. They desperately needed assurance. And Isaiah is spoken to by God, and then he begins to share this with the people. And he says, For a child is born to us, a son is given to us, and the government will rest on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor. We looked at that last week. We talked about that last week, about how he is the Pele Eos, that he is a wonderful counselor 
counselor, that he is there, that Jesus knows us and that he gets us when nobody else gets us and that he is faithful and that he is true and that we need to listen to his voice. We need to do what he tells us to do because he has great wisdom and insight and he sees what we don't even see. But also he is called mighty God and that's the one that we're going to look at today. Everybody say mighty God. Not only is he a mighty God, but he's an everlasting father and he is the prince of peace. And it says again, and be reminded that the government will rest on his shoulders. So as we look at the name mighty God, can you imagine if you're the people of Israel and Isaiah is given this word and all of a sudden he comes and he begins to share this. We've been going through a difficult time. We've been going through a difficult season. We haven't seen God at work. We haven't seen God on the move. We've been crying out to God. We've been begging God to change our circumstances. We've been crying out for him to change our situation. And yet we still find ourselves in the same predicament. And then all of a sudden Isaiah says, hey, listen, I've got some words for you. I want you to know there is hope on the way. The Messiah is coming. There is one promise and he is a wonderful counselor. But not only is he wonderful counselor, but he's mighty God. And can you imagine when they heard that? They probably thought, yes, it's about time. I'm ready for mighty God to come on the scene because things need to happen. Things need to change. Because think about it, they had heard of all the stories of old. They had been taught about the faith. They had heard about how God took Moses and he went before Pharaoh and he said, let my people go. And he wouldn't do it and the plagues were sent. And then Moses ended up leading the people out of Egypt. They come to the Red Sea. They had heard the story of how he lifted up the staff, which represented the presence of God. And the sea parted. They were able to walk on dry land. He heard, they heard about how God had provided for them while they were headed to the promised land in the desert. He gave them manna. He provided them so many resources. He provided every step of the way. He, they heard stories about how they entered into the promised land and God again parted the waters as they crossed the Jordan about how they walked around the walls of Jericho uh, on the seventh time they blew the trumpet and the walls came tumbling down. They had heard about Daniel and the lion's den. They had heard about how God had delivered Jonah in the midst of a great fish and ultimately brought about his will and plan. Can you imagine? This is the mighty God that's coming on the scene. Help is on the way. But do you know what happened? After Isaiah shared that word with the people concerning the Messiah? Nothing. During their life, nothing. 700 years later, the king is born. The child that was promised was given. The one who would bring redemption, the one who would restore, the one who would make all things new. Now, I say all that to say, can you imagine probably how the people felt that were there in Isaiah's time? We heard that a Messiah was coming. We heard that help is on the way. We heard that a deliverer was uh, approaching and we're anticipating and we're waiting and we're thinking. And a lot of times, I'm sure a lot of people said, you know what, man, I've been trusting the Lord. I've been calling out to the Lord and nothing has changed in my situation. Nothing has changed in my circumstance. Man, I'm going to move in a different direction. I'm going to try something else. It seems like that no matter how much I continue to trust God, to hold on to his promises, to hold on to his truth, 
everything continues to get worse. God, where are you? If you are this mighty God, then why aren't you doing what I thought that you were going to do when I surrendered my life to you? That's a, that's a place we all get to at moments and times if we're honest. There's moments and seasons in your life to where that you experience that, to where that you think that, to where that you endure that. But here's something I want you to help and look through the lens, and I want you to get this, and I pray that it would be imprinted in your heart and in your mind. And it's simply this truth that alludes, that alludes and, and, and depicts Christ's character as being mighty God. You see, when, when God looks at something, He doesn't look at it situationally. He looks at it eternally. I want you to think about that. God looks at things eternally. What do we get caught up in? We get caught up in our situation and our circumstances. And no matter what we face, no matter what we go through, I'm not saying that God is not with you. I'm not saying that God is not for you. I'm not saying that God won't move in your situation. But what I am saying is there are often times where that we pray for things and they don't come to pass, but it's part of God's eternal will. And His plan is still being carried out. And as His plan is still being carried out, guess what? He is a mighty God. He is a mighty King because the only one who cannot get distracted, the only one who cannot get deterred from His ultimate purpose is the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And so what God said in Isaiah 700 years later came about. People got to see that for the very first time. Mary got to see this baby born into the world. Joseph got to see it. The angels got to see it. The shepherds got to see it. The wise man came and said it. Like the world got to experience. The disciples walked with That came about and it all attests to God being faithful and being a mighty God. See, God doesn't look at our situation. Our situation may not be panning out the way that we hope, but we can know that God is working all things to His good. Look at Romans 8, 28. What does it say? God works, works together for all, th all things for His good, for those who love Him. And then it goes on to say, according to His purpose. Not our wants, not our desires, not what our circumstances are. Are you following me this morning? But he works together for the good of those who love God to those who are called according to his purpose. And so God's carrying out his purpose. God is carrying out his will. Let me give you another example. Think about Abraham. God promised Abraham and made a covenant with Abraham that he was going to birth a great nation. This is where the people of Israel come from. And he's going to birth a great nation from his seed. Abraham's thinking in his lifetime. But do you know when this begins to come about? He has a son named Isaac. Then Isaac has a son named Jacob, whose his name is later changed to Israel. He has 12 sons, and those 12 sons birth the 12 tribes of Israel, and there a nation is born. Abraham didn't get to see the promise. But he continued to trust God. He continued to hold on to God. He continued to have faith in God that one day that God would bring about. I may not understand it. I thought it was going to look a little bit different, but I'm going to trust that he's a mighty God. And then when it came about, God again keeps his word. He keeps his promises. He keeps his truth. We see it happen all throughout Scripture time and time and time again. And so now... A child is being prophesied to be born who will be the Savior of the world. And again, all things are working together 
to those who love God according to His purpose. So when we think about that, I want you to think about this. Again, thinking about God, the mighty God. And by the way, it comes from the Hebrew word El Gabor. El is a singular word derived from Elohim, which is the Hebrew word for God, which means the one true God. Gabor meaning strength, power, and hero. A warrior, a savior, a king, this mighty God. Again, keeping God's eternal purposes in mind. See, God was thinking bigger than just the situation at the time. He was thinking of eternity. He was thinking eternally. The purpose was much greater than that. So what was God's purpose? I think that's the question. What was God's purpose? Well, the king was coming to do three things. I want you to write these down as we look at Scripture this morning. If you're still with me, say, I am. Again, thinking about things that we thought were going to do certain things and be a certain way and our expectations not being met. And a lot of times people feel that way in their relationship with God. But God is faithful and God is true to His purposes according to His will. And our responsibility is to learn to trust Him even when we don't understand it, right? That's why the Scripture says, don't lean to your own understanding, but look to God, trust God, hold on to His truth. So what were His purposes? This mighty warrior, this King of kings, Lord of lords, would come to conquer sin, death, and the enemy. Sin, death, and Satan. Look here with me in, in, in Romans chapter 6, verses 10 through 11. Talking about how He conquered sin. For the death that He died, He died to sin once for all. So again, this baby that was born, right? I, sometimes when we think about Christmas, again, we think about the little baby and we think about him being wrapped and snuggly and warm and all those things. And it's true, he was born a baby. But listen, my heart and my prayer is that you would see a mighty God carrying out his will, carrying out his plan, being faithful to his word, right? The same God of yesterday is the same God today and the day of, of tomorrow. And so we see that this baby was born not to make us feel warm and fuzzy during a time of year, but he came ultimately, his ultimate plan, his eternal plan was to conquer sin, was to conquer sin. The scripture says everybody has sinned and falls short of the glory of God. And so this is why it says in Romans 6, verse 10, for the death that he died, he died to sin once for all. When Jesus gave up his life, he did it once for all. But the life that he lives, he lives to God. Likewise, you, talking about you and I, also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin. In other words, because we've been forgiven of sin, because God's forgave us, He's restored us, we've been uh, distinguished from the penalty of that. We're to reckon ourselves, we're to commit our lives to be dead to sin. That we don't move in that direction just because God forgives, just because God is graceful. Doesn't mean that we just go do whatever we want. No, we're committed to what Christ has called us to do. He says, listen, you reckon yourself to this truth but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. And so here's what we need to know, that when Jesus died, when Jesus shed His blood, He conquered sin. He paid the penalty for sin. The Scripture says, for the wages of sin is what? Death. That was the penalty. That was the consequence. Jesus conquered sin. He paid the price. He conquered death. Think about this just for a moment. He conquered death. In, in 1 Corinthians 15, verses 54 through 58, 
the last part of 54. This is what it says. Death is swallowed in victory. Death is swallowed in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? For sin is the sting that results in death. And the law gives sin its power. So again, sin results in death. The consequence of sin is death. Jesus came to die so that he could defeat not only sin, but defeat death. And he talks about how the law gives sin its power. So again, go back to the Old Testament. When the law was given, it wasn't to sh- to, for people to show and demonstrate how awesome they were. God said, listen, I'm a holy God. I'm a perfect God, and if you're going to live in relationship with me, then here's the law, but here's the deal. You've got to keep every bit of it. You can't break one commandment, and that was not possible for anybody. So the law, as Paul talks about in Galatians when you read later on, was given as a tutor to show that men and women and people of all ages, we desperately are need a Savior. We're broken, and we've been marred by sin. We've been overcome by sin. But Jesus conquered sin through His death, and now He has conquered death. It says, death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? For the sin is the sting that results in death, and the law gives sin its power. But thank God, everybody say, thank God. Thank God He gives us. Who gives us? He gives us victory over sin, and what else? Death through our Lord Jesus Christ. So my dear brothers and sisters, be strong. Listen to what he says right here. There's going to be things in your life that don't make sense. Be strong. Be immovable. Always work enthusiastically for the Lord. For you know, listen to what he says, for you know that nothing you do for the Lord is ever useless. Think about that. God is a great king. He is a mighty God. He's conquered sin. He's conquered death. All of these were part of God's eternal purposes. God fulfilled His promise that a child was going to be born. And He was mighty. Mighty in the sense of, yes, the winds and waves will obey Him at His command. Yes, He could take water and turn it into wine. Yes, He can take a few loaves and a few fishes and feed multitudes. But more importantly than that, He can forgive sin. He conquered death. He made a way for us to be reconciled to God. His eternal plan was carried out all through Scripture that we see over and over again. But thank God He gives us victory over sin and death through our Lord Jesus Christ. So my dear brothers and sisters, be strong and always work enthusiastically. And again, here's what I want you to remember. For nothing you do for the Lord is useless. Everything that you do, when you do it for the glory of God, He's lifted up and glorified. That's why Jesus said, even if you give a cup of cold water in my name, like you've done it unto me. And when you do something for the Lord, here, stay with me right here, okay? If you're with me, say, I am. I'm going to get you out of here in just a minute, all right? Look at your neighbor and say, he's about to get us out. And then look at your other one and say, you don't believe that, do you? I promise I'm about to get you out. But here's the deal. When you do stuff for the Lord, when you do it for him, whatever it is, you don't have to be patted on the back. Are you following me? Can I get an amen? amen? Like when you when you preach for the Lord, you don't have to go out front and have everybody tell you today was a good sermon. To know that. Are you following me? When you serve, you don't have to say, hey, I appreciate you. Because like 
you don't do it for the applause of anyone else. Right? We do it for who? The Lord. Why? Because He is a mighty God. And we want people to know Him. We don't want to make things about us. Now, I'm not saying don't tell people good job and all that kind of stuff. But listen, we have our motives in the right place when we understand that Jesus has conquered death. He's conquered sin. And man, nothing that I do for Him is ever useless. I want to do it for Him and His glory and for His honor. There's another passage of Scripture where it alludes of this mighty God, not only conquering sin, defeating death, but also conquering our enemy, Satan. Because God's children, it says in verse 14, because God's children are human beings made of flesh and blood, the Son also became flesh and blood. Talking about Jesus, this mighty God, this one who was born of a virgin. For only as a human being could he die, and only by dying could he break the power of the devil who had the power of death. Only in this way could he set free all who have lived their lives as slave to the fear of dying. We know that he's a mighty God because he has carried out his eternal will. Now here's the deal. We're in a period of time to where that we're waiting for something to happen. As believers, we're continuing to wait. Because the scripture says that this child that was born, and we can look back and we can read that he fulfilled the will of God that he willingly went to the cross, shed his blood, gave his life. He literally died, right? Jesus said, it is finished. This has been finished. This mission that the Father sent me on me is, is done. He died. He gave up the ghost. He was buried. He was resurrected from the dead, and he ascended into heaven. And the scripture now tells us that one day he's what? He's coming back. And we've got to be faithful in waiting. And we've got to be faithful and trusting. And when it's difficult, when it's hard, and when it seems like nothing is working out, and when it seems that God's not moving, when it seems that, not, that God's not working, know that He is constantly and consistently working all things for His purpose. And there will come a day when the trumpet will sound. There will come a day when the dead in Christ will rise. There will come a day when we will meet Him in the air. There will come a day when all things will be made right. There will come a day when every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. Why? Because He has been faithful all throughout the beginning of time with His Word. Whatever God says comes about. He is a mighty God and He is able to keep His promises and He always keeps His word. Therefore, we can trust Him. We can trust Him. and We can hold on to that truth. And we can know that yes, not only is He a mighty God, that He keeps His word. He has an eternal will. But true, He is an, a wonderful counselor as we talked about last week. And He comforts us and He encourages us and he understands in all things. He is El Gabor, the mighty God, and he's still making a way, and he's still fulfilling his plan. Let's pray this morning. Heavenly Father, God, we thank you for the day. We thank you for loving us. My heart, my prayer today, Lord, is that we would be reminded of this truth that you truly are a mighty God. Lord, you are over all creation. Everything is at your command. And Lord, I pray that each and every one of us would know that you love us. The reason we know that you love us is not because you fix everything in our life. And Lord, you 
move in the middle of circumstances and situations. Lord, you at times do that. But we know that you love us because you said that there was going to be a Messiah that comes. And he came years later after that first word was spoken. And Lord, you were faithful and true that this Messiah took our sin, our shame to the cross. And there he breathed his last breath, buried, died, but you raised him from the third day. And God, I am grateful and thankful for that. So Lord, I pray today, Lord, that we be reminded of how you keep your word and how faithful that you are continuing to work all throughout time, all throughout eternity. Even right now in these moments, Lord, there are things that are happening, Lord, that we're not even aware of. But God, give us eyes to see. And Lord, help us to hold on to your truth and your promises. In my heart, my prayer today is somebody doesn't know you today, that they've never surrendered their life to you. Maybe they've heard about you, but there's never been a time to where that they've asked you to forgive them, to be the Lord of their life. I pray that today would be the day that you would just touch them and encourage them and speak to them in a very real and personal way. That they would just say, Jesus, forgive me. I believe in you. I believe that you're God's son. I believe that you were born of a virgin. I believe that you lived a sinless life. I believe that you willingly gave your life on the cross, that you died, that you were buried, resurrected. Lord, I surrender my life to that. I commit my life to you under that truth. Forgive me. Be the Lord of my life. And I believe with all my heart that if you pray that, the scripture says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And I believe that right here in this place, whether you're online or you're in the room this morning, that if you prayed that and you genuinely wholeheartedly repented of your sin and asked God to forgive you, I believe that God saved you and that you are one of his children today. If you prayed that, would you just raise your hand? Anybody in this room today? Thank you. Anyone else today? Thank you. Anyone else this morning? God's speaking to you today. Surrender your life. I'm putting my trust in this mighty God, this King, this Lord, who's the redeemer of my sins, the savior of my soul. Father, I thank you for touching people's life and changing people's life today. Lord, I pray you give them the strength and encouragement to take a next step. And I pray, God, that you be lifted up and that you would work in their life. Lord, as we get ready to sing this last song, I pray, God, that we would be comforted and encouraged by your will and your steadfastness. And Lord, just your ability to be consistent, unwavering, unchanging all throughout time. We love you, we praise you, and we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. I want you to stand with